Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible says something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, it's me. It's Jimmy Hicks, your Wretched Host. Okay, no, I'm not actually your host, but seeing that Todd is actually not here in the studio to correct me, I am going to claim that as my new pronoun. I identify as your host. Welcome into Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Of course, as always, Todd and the team are out on the campus at Kennesaw State University today looking to engage students with the gospel. So I'll quit stalling and we'll get out to Todd now at Kennesaw State University. Let's go to Eritrea via Germany and, well, Kennesaw State University. Your name is Fieven and you're originally from? Germany. But your parents are from? Eritrea. Okay, there's a story here. And I'd like to do this interview in German, but I'm not sure you could keep up. Um, Sure, we can. (laughs) You speak German way better than I do. All right. Here's what we want to talk to you about today, Fieven. On campuses around America, Western civilization, the suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. Now, you've been in the country for five years. You're on the campus Why do you think it might be that people your age are more inclined to take their own lives than ever before? Um, I mean, with the circumstances we're all in right now, I do believe it's the the coronavirus. Um, People are more at home, isolated. They're not socializing anymore. So I really think students uh, struggle with that but also with the stress of this the school loads because everything is now virtually you know what i think that sociologists agree with that because the suicide rate has actually gone up during covid but even before covid the numbers were way higher than they used to be so isolationism stress are there any other factors prior to covid that you think might contribute to the suicide level? Yeah, I think um, if you put your identity into school, if you um, think that school is um, your life and that if you don't get your good grades, uh, if you don't um, accomplish your degree, that can um, do a lot on your character. If they don't have anything besides school, and mostly students put all their effort into school, then I think um, that can um, cause them to think about what's their life what what, what's the purpose of um, living i think that's extremely perspective uh, perceptive I, I i think that's pretty poignant any other things maybe family it goes back to the stress factors if they already ha- come from a broken um, family if they w- like have to work two um, jobs if they have a child or anything and they um try like see school as an escape of having a better life for their family or for themselves. It always depends on the person, how they view stress. You know, some people are um, more um, calm in, in situation and just don't see it as like a major thing, you know. And um, some people are very um, letting themselves define 
from from what is going on around them. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> so. No, actually, you are. So let let me ask you if if I might. You talked about having purpose and identity not in school so on a personal level where do you find your identity and what's your purpose my um religion i believe in god and that's where like i believe that my identity is in christ and that's why i can cope with that before i was an agnostic I believed in a higher power, but I didn't believe um, in Jesus and all the Bible. Before that, I have to I have to admit I was also very um, depressed and also had thoughts of does my life make any sense? I put my all my identity into school. I thought school is everything, and if I don't um, pass my class, if I don't um, you know have my degree, I thought what else do I have good in my life? So that's why. That's fascinating to me. Here's another component that I think is an issue for a lot of students on campus. You tell me if you agree. When they leave home, where perhaps their parents have encouraged them to behave a certain way, they have freedom here, nobody's watching, and they probably do things that violate the values that they were raised with. And they have no way of dealing with guilt and shame. And that can cause a person to just feel miserable because they have a nagging sense of guilt or um, I've disappointed my parents, I've disappointed myself, and they just don't know what to do with it. Your thoughts? I agree with that because I have another friend who I met this semester. Uh, her best friend committed suicide because of that. Um, she told me that he committed suicide because of, um, he, uh, from an Indian culture, school is very important, and he, he felt like he dishonored his family, that he wasn't, um, you know, as good as he was supposed to be, you know, um, shame, guilt, all that, and no one knew he was keeping his, um, you know, feelings and thoughts, and that's, I guess that's one issue too. If you don't speak about it, and if you just like, it's eating your eating your life, you know, if you don't talk about it, because there's a lot of people who can identify and maybe people can help you with your thoughts, you know, so. Based on your experience, there are a lot of people who do stuff it inside and then ultimately it's revealed when they do something drastic. Do you think that there is any way to discern if somebody is struggling to that degree just by observing their behavior? That's very difficult. I think if you have a relationship with that person, maybe you can see a change of behavior. But if, if there's some, just strangers on the, I guess, on, on campus, I wouldn't know. If a parent has a child, how might they be able to get that information out of their child? I guess with um, communication. I just being there um, for the child, you know, like, you can't expect anything if you just like the authority um, person and just like, you know, you got to go to school, got to do that. But if you really sh um, give them a side of like, I'm your friend, too, and um, just spend time with your child, I guess. You are a professing Christian. OK, so let's say I sat down next to you and I said, you know, I have been watching you and there's something about you that I find very intriguing. You look like you've got your life together. You look like you're calm and settled. I'm very interested in your religion because I think that I might want to become whatever religion you are. Why would you encourage me to become a Christian, too? Uh, depending on what you 
exactly ask me that would start jumpstart the conversation i would just ask that person have you ever felt that void inside of you that you can see there's celebrities and um, successful people who have money to have everything but they still have no happiness they they still um, complain of they don't they don't have what that makes gives them their peace inside so i would say maybe that void that you're feeling is maybe because um, you're looking for Jesus and for God. And if, if you want, um, I could invite you to church. You can come and just see for yourself. So what if, what if I said, though, you know, I do feel pretty settled inside. I'm good, I'm steady, and I feel like I do have purpose. So is there anything else that your religion would offer me? I can't force anyone. Um, I think... God can only change hearts. I mean, you have a free will. I have a free will. So I do what, um, what I would do is I would offer you my friendship. If that person um, thinks is struggling with suicide and thinks still he's, you know, I have a purpose, I'm good, then I, I would still show love and I would be there for him. And I, I think that will um, make a difference too of him thinking, oh, at least I have someone I can talk to or relate to or, you know, I'm not alone. I would make him understand you're not alone. I'm here. All right. Could I just ask one question? I happen to be a Christian. So I am intrigued because when I said that I don't need purpose, I don't have any issues in my life. Is there anything else Christianity would offer? I am curious why you didn't say, yeah, it offers forgiveness of sins and it offers reconciliation with God. Isn't that really the unique offering of Christianity and really the, the central feature and the most important issue? Yeah, you're completely right. I didn't say that because, I mean, obviously, I'm also a little nervous <laughs> interview. Um, but yeah, obviously, that's the one thing that draw me to God. I mean, I was in Germany and Germany, it's really dry. Um, I mean, there's religion, Protestant, Catholic, but people don't really have a relationship. So I grew up being agnostic because of all the science and all how I grew up in Germany. And But I always knew there was a God, um, like a higher power, um, because my mom is orthodox. So, But I never identified myself with orthodox. But when I came here, um, I was on my own. I was in a different country. This was very challenging. I was trying to figure out myself, trying to find my identity and all that. And um, I decided to go to, the ch uh, to a church and... Um, starting going there um it um definitely was difficult because of my mindset that i had from germany and um, what i thought about god but um at the end of the day there was a time that i said okay i'm i'm gonna um believe um in christ and that changed me and it changed me as a person thank you very much that was great you did well thank you well how about that speaking to a christian right out of the gate i mean professing christians kind of rare to find on a secular college campus. So finding one immediately? Yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty good day. Hang tight, more Witness Wednesday next on Wretched Radio. 
Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at Wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page. There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Don't tell me you couldn't use a little encouraging news. This is from Paul Marty. He is the executive director of the Tomorrow Club's Kids Clubs, meeting all throughout Eastern Europe to bring impoverished nations and families the gospel. You know, most Tomorrow Clubs work in former communist communities where we find so many kids and families living hopeless lives. But with the help of the wretched audience, we've been able to bring the gospel, hope, and long-term discipleship to thousands of kids in these forsaken communities. Praise God for that. Would you please consider joining our effort to reach these kids and their families to strengthen local churches in Eastern Europe? $30 a month, 30 disciples. It is an outstandingly efficient gospel-centered ministries. Please prayerfully consider supporting your own Tomorrow Club, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. You've heard us talking about it for well over a year now. Get ready, because we are finally less than a month away from the debut of Transform. It's our latest TV offering, which will be like nothing else seen on Christian TV. With Transform, you will be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions tackling issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. You're not going to see secular counseling sessions offering band-aids like medication or years of weekly visits, but you will see a biblical counselor providing biblical solutions that will help solve a person's issues with the Bible. Because biblical counseling is the only counseling that can provide real hope and help a person go from brokenness to wholeness. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University, and Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed, unlike anything that's ever been produced. And it's coming April 1st. So what do you get when you mix a group of Gen Z college students and a group of biblical experts together with 2,000-year-old questions? You get Road Trip to Truth. John Favares has hit the road on a quest to find answers to life's big biggest questions like the deadly impact of pornography and the dangers of agnosticism. Those are just a few of the topics covered in Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth, which is available at roadtriptotruth.org. Know your reformers. John Whitcliffe, called the Morning Star of the Reformation, was a professor at Oxford in the 1300s who preached against papal authority in matters of doctrine, politics, and church practice. After his death, his bones were dug up, burned, and spread over the river. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. 
I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd is not in the studio. He's actually out on campus at Kennesaw State University looking for students willing to talk about the gospel. And right out of the gate, we heard him speak to Thieven, a Christian. So that gives me high hopes for the rest of the day. Let's check back in with Todd and see who he's chased down now. This is Jacob. And Jacob, I was going to ask you about this, but I've got to ask you a different question first, because you told me your name is a Bible name. That it is. What Bible character is Jacob and what's the story about? Well, it is Jacob, just a character in the Bible, you know, Jacob's Ladder. And I really couldn't do it justice telling you the story of it. It's been it's been a while since I read that far back in the Bible. So I, w- I wouldn't want to say anything wrong about it. And you're wearing a cross, which you tucked away. But what is the symbolism of that piece of jewelry? It just shows that I'm a Christian and, I mean, I'm devoted enough to my faith to wear a cross around my head. All right. So let's say I came up to you and I said, Jacob, I saw a cross around your neck. I'm interested in becoming a Christian. What would you tell me I need to know or do to become a Christian like you? I mean, it's not like you don't necessarily have to go to church or anything to become a Christian. Just look into the faith. There's about a million different videos on YouTube, sermons, educational videos. You can read the Bible. I wouldn't say that's the best way to get into it. It's a pretty long read. But uh, but I'm, I, I don't have video access. I got access to you. So I'm asking you to tell me what should I do to become a Christian? I mean, if you're looking for help from me, I have a couple favorite Bible verses and passages. I can share what a little knowledge I know and try to direct you to other people. Hit me. Go. Hit you with your favorite Bible passages. Your favorite Bible passage. Uh, I'd have to. I'd have to. I, I'm, I'll get you started. I, I, I'll get you started. I know you're going to know this one. For God so loved the world. Do you know that one? I couldn't finish it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. It's the one they put up at football games, right? Okay. What is the meaning of that passage? You say it one more time to me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It means that he cared so much about us, he sent down his only son to die on the cross so that we could, you know, we'd, we'd live our lives on here on earth. But if we believe in him, we believe in, in Christ that there will be a life after for us with him. There you go. Now you're getting warmed up. That's it. All right. So why is that important to do? What happens if I don't believe in Jesus? Well, if you don't believe in Jesus, then what I think is in the afterlife, just it's an existence without God. You don't want to be with God, so you're not going to be with God. Will I be with my buddies? Probably not. I mean, it depends. Your buddies believe in God? Yes, they'll, they'll be up in heaven. So why should I want to be with God in heaven? I mean, it's a personal choice. It sounds pretty, pretty uh, good to me. I mean, I think it's right. And Better in heaven than to be in hell. I, I would hope so. So tell me, though, if God is loving and God is kind, why does he send people to hell? Well, I think it's more of... You know, those people have rejected God throughout their lives, and he's not going to force himself upon them. Let me, let, me, let me try one out on you. You tell me what you think about this. 
Let's say that God is totally holy, righteous, moral, upright in everything. And he created people in his own image and we have gone astray. So we look with lust, we lie, we cheat, we dishonor our parents, we blaspheme God's name. In other words, we break his laws. So if God's laws are written in our consciences, we violate his laws. And just like a judge who is sworn to uphold the law, he must punish guilty law breakers. So the question is, are you, are I, are all of these people out here at the university guilty lawbreakers? Would you say yes or no? I think there's about a 0% chance that no, that everyone doesn't sin. Yeah, it's sure. just a matter of, do you repent for your sins? Because God will forgive you. And I mean, do you, do you believe it's a sin too? I mean, so why would God forgive guilty criminals? Because I think he believes that pretty much everyone is worth saving and he'll try. And Let me try this though. Let's say a judge had a guilty criminal in front of him standing before the bench. And instead of finding that person guilty and sending them to jail, he says, I think you're, you're, you're worth forgiving. And he just lets them go. Would that be just? Would that be right? See, that's just a whole different scenario, I think, and that, you know, here on earth with our moral, we have moral standards, you know, some of that align with the Bible and those standards, and but God's bigger than just our laws on earth, so. Let me, let me, try, to, let me try to reason with you for a second. If God just dismissed everybody's court case, that would actually make him a corrupt judge. That would make him unrighteous because a judge is sworn to uphold justice. And when we turn a blind eye to a criminal act, that itself is a criminal act. And God wouldn't do that. But imagine this, Jacob, let's just say we're in an earthly courtroom. Guilty criminal is standing there with a debt to society. And the judge is about to have him pay his fine by going to jail. But somebody steps into the courtroom and says, Your Honor, I love that man, and I'm willing to pay that man's fine. And if that person pays the fine of the guilty criminal, then the judge can let the criminal go because justice has been satisfied. Correct? Same thing is true with God. God has to punish lawbreakers. He has to because he's just. But Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth and he died on a cross because he was paying the fine for sinners. He was receiving the wrath of the Father upon himself to pay the debt of sinners like you and me. That way, God can legally dismiss our court case because it has been paid for us. Because if there isn't a payment for our crimes, then God would be unjust, but he's just. And this way, to be seen as an amazingly kind God, he's the one who pays our fine for us. And that's how we can be forgiven. What do you think of that explanation? Makes some sense, yeah. yeah. I mean, otherwise, why would Jesus die? Well, that's exactly what he said. He gave his only begotten son because Jesus came on a rescue mission to save people like you and me because we can't save ourselves. We can't pay our own debt. We can't satisfy justice, but he can and he did. But now here's the big question, Jacob. How does somebody like you or me or anybody else here on this campus, how do we get 
are fine paid. How does that transaction take place? What must I do to receive that forgiveness from God? What would you say? Well, I think is first you need to repent. You need to feel bad for what you did. You have to know it's wrong. If you if you ask for forgiveness, but you don't feel it's wrong or you still would have done it or um, I don't think you, you get it. You also have to, you can't just stay being the same person. You have to change. So yeah, repenting, you, you turn from your sins and the Bible says you put your trust in Jesus Christ. You don't just admit, yeah, I think he existed. He walked the earth, he was a good teacher. No, you trust him as if your life depended on it because it does. All right, here's something Jesus said. Here's another Bible verse for you. Jesus said that unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so in order to inherit God's kingdom, you have to be born again. What does that mean to be born again, Jacob? Be born again. Well, I've always thought about the sense and people saying like they're born again Christians, stuff like that. And I think it's more we we try to really not we try not choose like you can't choose when to be and when to not to be Christian follow it and you have to do it always and try to always follow God in a sense and I guarantee you all of us we haven't always been that way and we always have to reach a point where you say am I going to commit to that because like I believe it you know God's real and if he is then why shouldn't he be number one priority on that list I, I agree with that, but the term itself, born again, indicates that there's been a death because you've got to be born again. Now, Jesus said it's really important because if you're not born again, you don't go to heaven. So what do you suppose he was getting at when he said you've got to be born again? Specifically, something, something has to take place here for those words to even make sense. Do you know what he was getting at? Hold it. Hold it, I am going to interrupt here. Before we hear Jacob's answer, not to be mean, but because we have to take a break. You know, our sponsors kind of like it when we do that. So we are going to be back in just a couple of minutes and we will hear Jacob's answer to that question. What does it mean to be born again? The witnessing continues next on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. And quickly, before we get into the news today, I want to make a clarification on a story that I shared here Monday. In sharing what I incorrectly regarded as news about Pastor Sam Alberry of Emmanuel Nashville, I inferred that Alberry is a practicing homosexual, which from all accounts is actually not the case. So I do sincerely apologize for the inaccurate portrayal of Pastor Alberry. Apologies to him and apologies to all of you as well. You know, occasionally we're going to find ourselves having opposite opinions on not essential matters. But one thing that I never desire to do is report inaccurate and incorrect information. So I want to thank all of our listeners who email and point these things out. Continue to hold me accountable in a gentle and loving way, of course. Okay, so if you didn't already have the warm and fuzzies regarding Katanji Brown Jackson, this is sure to give them to you. When does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, I don't know. 
So President Biden's Supreme Court nominee cannot or will not share her belief about when human life begins. And that's very problematic in the fact that a nominee for the Supreme Court justice refuses to share her stance on an issue that she's going to render verdicts about frequently. This is totally underhanded. Of course she knows what she believes. That's like a church interviewing a potential pastor who refuses to share what they believe on the resurrection or the virgin birth. It's pretty important stuff that you need to share your position on. And an answer of I don't know should not be sufficient for the Senate. And I don't think this next story requires any explanation or commentary from me. Just listen to what Boston Mayor Michelle Wu had to say during a speech that she gave last week at a St. Patrick's Day breakfast. I'm getting used to dealing with problems that are expensive, disruptive, and white. Yeah, no commentary required from me. You can hear her lunacy all on your own. Okay, so this next story is not a ringing endorsement of this guy. I do not know how solid his theology is or even how faithful he is, but it's not too common to see celebrities willing to credit God in the public square these days. In a recent Showtime interview, Denzel Washington, who has previously talked about his Christian faith, shared that all of his talents are gifts given by the grace of God. And I only share this because, as I said, in today's wacky world of cancel everybody, most celebrities will never utter the name of God. So it is nice to see when it actually does happen. Authorities in Pakistan reportedly recently beat and arrested a Christian for, they claim, making blasphemous comments. It's possible, but highly unlikely, given the blasphemy law in Pakistan only requires someone to allege you made a derogatory comment regarding Islam, Allah, Muhammad, or the Quran. But actual hard evidence and proof? Not really needed. Please continue praying for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Judges covers Israel's history from the death of Joshua to just before the reign of King Saul. The reoccurring phrase is, And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When Israel rebelled, God allowed their enemies to triumph. But when Israel cried out to God, he raised up a deliverer. God is faithful even when his people are not. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back. It's Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. See, that didn't take too long. It didn't hurt. It wasn't painful or anything like that. So now let's get back out to the campus at Kennesaw State University as the conversation with Todd and Jacob continues. And we finally hear Jacob's answer to that question. What does it mean to be born again? So what do you suppose he was getting at when he said you've got to be born again? Specifically, something something has to take place here for those words to even make sense. Do you know what he was getting at? I guess, but... Here's what I think he was saying, all right? Because the Bible says that human beings are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And we need to be made born again. We can't be made born again physically because that would mean going into your mother's womb and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? So we've got to be born again spiritually. And so Jesus was saying, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to come to that place where you get downwind and you smell yourself and you realize I am not a good person. I'm a bad man and I've sinned against God and it would be so right for him to throw me to hell. But because Jesus came to rescue me and to save me, I want to turn from my sins and I want to put my trust in him. I want to be dead to my old self and alive and live for him. 
That's what it means to be born again. It's a pretty radical sort of thing. So here's the big question then for you personally, Jacob. Would you say that you are born again? That you came to that place where you went, I am a hellbound sinner and Jesus rescued me and he is my only hope and I want to die to myself and live for him. Has that happened in your life? Are you born again? I'm pretty sure of it. I'm well, pretty sure. I mean, that's just sure as I really get. There's, you know, like there's always the only the only thing that there's not doubt in is my faith, really. And uh, you know, there's a chance that I'll face struggles again down the road. I'm a pretty young person. We'll see if my faith, you know, halters at all. But I'd say just about you know last year I really you know I sat sat there and I thought to myself you know am I really living the life I should be and are there things that I can change my life? And I did, I tried to go through some small groups. I started reading my Bible actually, instead of it just sitting back on some shelves, you know, trying to see like, what do I really need to do with my life? And I've been working on that. So I feel like that's as much as I can do, work and try to be the best uh, follower of Christ I can. And just let me, let me just really a little deeper. Why are you trying to behave better? Because, I mean, it's you're supposed to. It's the right thing to do. He puts God's put out a set of guidelines, the way to act, the right way to act. And if He says it's the right way to act, then uh, you just want to be obedient. No reason I shouldn't try to hold myself to those standards. And you know, for a lot of them, it just it makes sense. You know, within yourself morally too. And now, Jacob, do you think that you're trying to read the Bible? or to just kind of clean up your act a little bit. Do you think that that makes you acceptable to God? No, just because you read the Bible doesn't make you acceptable to God. There's plenty of people that read the Bible, but don't I'm talking about your talking about your motive. Why you why you do these things? Are you doing it because you want God to accept you or do you want to do it because it maybe has a good payoff or culturally? Why do you do it? I started doing it cuz I just felt within myself that I should. It was it was more an internal drive. It wasn't trying to get after something or it wasn't, you know, like saying like, oh, I, I don't want to go to hell or anything like that. Uh, it was more, I felt like a faith blossoming inside me. So I tried to get closer to God because that's all he really wants. Would you say that you are doing it out of gratitude for what he has done for you by dying for you on a cross? I could say that. We also say I'm grateful for the ways it influenced my life because, you know, I think he tries to touch every person. It's just a matter of whether they accept it or reject it. Tricky question. So think about the word real carefully. Is Jesus Christ precious to you? Is he precious to me? You're talking about, say, meaningful and close, that type of precious? I'd say so. Um, we wouldn't be here if he didn't come down and die for our sins so he went he said something really extreme he said that you should by comparison hate your own mother and father now it doesn't mean that you actually hate them but he was doing a comparison that our love for him should be so great that people look at your love for him and think wow by comparison you actually hate your parents now you don't actually hate your parents but you love him that much would you say that's true of you I would not say it's true of me, but the way I look at it, it's it's like a different type 
of of love. So I don't exactly know how I'd measure it or compare it, but I can I can say that I definitely love my parents a lot and like you're supposed to, but uh I don't think I could quantify it. I think it's it's two separate categories entirely, but so here, here would be the most important thing. I was going to talk to you about this, but this would be so important that as you stand here today, let's just say you drive away and you get T-boned and you are ushered into eternity. Jacob, are you sure that you're born again and you're in God's kingdom? I don't think there's any certainty of it, but I've uh, tried my best and uh, I'd like to I'd like to think I am. And I'd, I don't, I'd be willing to bet I'm better than most everyone in today's world. Well, being good isn't the issue, remember, because we're not good. We're forgiven. And actually, Jesus said you can know because he said if you come unto him, he won't cast you out. You can be guaranteed that you're going to be receiving everlasting life. So his promise is true. So you can actually know. But the question is, do you know that? Because if you have been born again, you've repented and put your trust in him, then you can confidently say, I absolutely am. I am definitely going to be with God forever because Jesus promised it. Would you say that's true of you as you stand here right now? I'd be willing to say so, yeah. Good. Here's what the Bible says. A man occasionally should examine himself to see if he's in the truth. So here's, here's some homework for you. As you're driving away, maybe back home, why don't you examine yourself and see if you're in the truth between you and God. Take a look inside of your heart. Is Jesus precious to me? Am I trying to be obedient because he has been so good to me by dying for me, a rebel sinner? Have I really repented and put my trust in him? I'm not talking about perfection, but your desires are now more for holiness than they are for unrighteousness. Between you and God, make sure that you're a member of the kingdom. And if you're not, all you need to do is call out to him, put your trust in his son, and he promises you, you will have everlasting life. It's a guarantee, and you can know that you will be with him for heaven. And you'll spend the rest of your days wanting to be obedient, wanting to read the Bible, because you want to be obedient to the one who did everything for you. Is that a fair challenge? That's a pretty fair challenge. That is a challenge we should all be inclined to take pretty frequently. When the Bible tells us to examine ourselves, it's instructing us to put our lives under a magnifying glass, a microscope, and find out exactly what we're able to see when we line our lives up with God's Word. Does our life match our lips? Does our life, our walk, match the profession that we give? Or do you see some areas that could use some attention? We're not looking for perfection, but what we are looking for, what we should see, is some evidence of progress, right? God promises to mold his children into the image of Christ. That's through the process of sanctification, and we should be able to see that growth when we examine ourselves pretty frequently. That's why the Bible tells us to do it. Okay, we're going to take another break right now. Another pause for the cause. Hang tight. More Witness Wednesday continues on Wretched Radio. 
What tends to come to mind when you think of heaven? Pillows of clouds, fat baby angels, the strumming of eternal harps. Don't feel bad if those are thoughts that you've had over the years, because honestly, the world and the media has portrayed heaven to be just that. Randy Alcorn, he's compiled 50 inspiring and thought-provoking devotions that will keep our minds focused on the things above. So do yourself a favor, avail yourself to Randy Alcorn's 50 Days of Heaven. It's available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Look how strong it is. Tell me, that doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. How would you like to be considered the second smartest person on the planet behind this guy? It was, a, it was, a, it was, it was. Okay, maybe that was a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner is one of the wisest decisions you'll ever make. Gospel Partners Media is a 501c3 nonprofit, meaning all financial gifts are tax deductible. But other than that, why should you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? Simple, because it's your gifts that help us create compelling gospel-centered content that reach millions of people all over the world. And we're members in good standing with the ECFA, the financial accountability folks who audit our books yearly to keep us transparent and accountable to our gospel partners. And 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. So would you prayerfully consider partnering with us at Gospel Partners Media? Just visit wretched.org slash donate to get complete details. We think it's one of the wisest investments you can make. Wretched.org slash donate. If only we had a clip of Dr. Steve Lawson explaining what the Master's Academy International is and perhaps encouraging you to support it. Hey, hey, what's this button? The goal of TMAI is to take the timeless truths and the timeless principles that are found in the Word of God and build those into men in those countries so that they in turn can preach the Word of God and be used by God to plant churches. Talk about providence, Dr. Steve Lawson, commending and encouraging you to support this long vision ministry, equipping pastors to rightly divide the Word of Truth by going to a mini seminary, we'll call it, in 17 nations around the globe, trained by a Master Seminary graduate. It is brilliant. Please learn more about the Master's Academy International, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are certainly grateful for your time. 
So here's a crazy scenario. Did you know that there is a way for you to know all of the latest happenings at Wretched? When you can't even keep up with all that's happening in your own life, you can keep up with everything happening at Wretched. See, told you it was a crazy scenario. But you can keep up with all of these things by signing up to receive the monthly Wretched newsletter. Each month, Wretched sends out a newsletter covering tough theological issues Christians are facing today. And you're also going to get the updates about what's new and upcoming at Wretched. Makes you kind of wish somebody would send you a newsletter about what's going on in your own life. Well, we can't do that, but we can certainly let you know what's happening in ours. Plus, we give away resources every single day to one of our newsletter recipients. So go get signed up for the Wretched newsletter now at wretched.org slash newsletter. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Know your reformers. John Whitcliffe, called the Morning Star of the Reformation, was a professor at Oxford in the 1300s who preached against papal authority in matters of doctrine, politics, and church practice. After his death, his bones were dug up, burned, and spread over the river. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We are back. It's Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd, of course, out at Kennesaw State University on the campus where we have heard him have two pretty encouraging conversations so far today. I told you it was going to be a pretty good day today, but we're not finished yet. No, we're not. We have more witnessing to get to. So let's check back in with Todd now on the campus of Kennesaw State University. This is Brennan, who goes to Kennesaw State University. And Brennan, when I asked you, do you have any thoughts about your generation and why they are contemplating suicide more than any others? You said what? I do not know. You don't know, but you do know that your generation is more inclined than any other to do that. Correct. Yourself, have you ever experienced anybody who has committed suicide or thought about it? I have actually. I had a football brother on my team last year, my senior year of high school, committed suicide. Do you have any idea why he did that? No idea. Completely out of nowhere. Let's just say I was your dad and you were struggling with stuff. How could I get that information out of you, Brennan? Uh, I guess you just have to become closer with me. Among other things, I think the issue of purpose is a big one. They don't know what the point is, why they're here, what they're living for. And so life just feels because of maybe an evolutionary worldview. There's really no transcendent reason for our being. And therefore, they get kind of hopeless and think about death. I agree. So then my question for you would be, do you have purpose? Of course. What is it? the strive to do great in life why is that your purpose uh i don't know i really couldn't tell you i think another one is hope people don't have hope for the future typically on a campus thoughts about the afterlife like where you go when you die and really know where you go into the ground your worm food or you get cremated in your dust and that can be pretty bleak and hopeless therefore put that together with other things and they contemplate suicide thoughts I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Makes complete sense. What's your hope? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of hope in God. And who is this God that you believe in? Jesus. I can tell you're wearing a crucifix, so I kind of figured as much. Okay, so I'm guessing you must be Roman Catholic? I am, yeah. So, purpose, hope, I think are a couple of reasons. I think guilt and shame 
are other reasons. You leave home, your mom and dad kind of knew what you were up to. They told you not to do bad things, but you can come to a place like this and you can do bad things. How do you deal with those issues? With my friends. I go to my friends and talk to my friends. They always cheer me up. But what about the nagging sense of, I've really done bad things and I'm guilty and I don't have a good sense about this because maybe my maker is not pleased with my behavior. How do you deal with that? I honestly don't really think I've ever been in that state of mind. Ever? Ever. Have you yourself, you've never contemplated taking your life? No. So you must have all of these boxes checked somehow. In a way. So if I said to you, Brennan, you seem to be pretty stable, seem to have your act together. I want to follow whatever it is that you believe in. Tell me, why should I become a Roman Catholic? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I couldn't tell you that. You grew up in the faith, I presume? Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, but have you thought, like, for yourself, this is what I actually believe in wholeheartedly? To be honest, I really haven't. It's just kind of how I grew up with my parents and everything, and that's what I've been taught, so that's what I follow. Let me just see if you can articulate for me, what is the Roman Catholic understanding of the afterlife? That's a hard question. I don't think I could. Fair enough, can I give it a go? I'm not a Roman Catholic, but I'm a Christian. So I, I, would, I would try to reason with you and say, we've got a conscience and it's talking to us pretty regularly, telling us, uh-oh, shouldn't have done those things. For instance, lying. I've lied. Have you ever lied? Yes. Stolen things. I've done that. Have you ever stolen anything? Yes. I looked at a woman with lust. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I have a girlfriend. And have you ever dishonored your parents? Yeah, lying. Have you? By lying, sure, fair enough. Right? <laughs> what about taking God's name in vain? Uh, I have done that before. Not intentionally, but there's been moments. It's flown out. Okay. So, Brennan, what I just did is I, I just walked you through like five commandments. Lying, stealing, adultery at heart. That's what Jesus said. If you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. You don't do the act necessarily. But even if you think about it, guilty. All right. If you just get angry at somebody, you're a murderer at heart. It's not like you shot somebody, but God sees the intentions of the heart. So our issue is that we are actually guilty. We do have guilt, and there's a reason that God gave us a conscience to know that we're guilty. But now let's fast forward. You're healthy, you're young, but let's say someday God calls your number. Brennan, you stand before God's judgment bench, and he opens the books on your life, and he knows every thought, word, deed, what you've looked at on the computer, perhaps what you've done with your girlfriend, how you treated your parents, all of it. Would he say innocent or guilty? about your court case, Brennan? Innocent. Explain how. I feel like I just haven't done anything bad enough in life to be guilty. But what about the lying, stealing, blasphemy, etc.? It's all stuff to feel guilty about, but in the long run, is it really gonna affect someone's life? Track with me, see if you follow this, all right? If I lie to my son, do you know what's going to happen to me? Uh, Nothing. Because <laughs> he's my child and he doesn't have any authority over me. All right. Now, if I lie to my boss, 
I can get fired. If I lie to my wife, I'm going to sleep on the couch. If I lie to the government, I can go to jail. All right. Now, I, I, I did the same thing four times, but the punishment increased each time for the same crime. What changed in the scenario? What causes me to get a bigger punishment for the same issue of lying? The authority over you. Who's God? My authority. He's the authority over governments. He's the authority over wives. He's the authority over parents. He's the supreme authority. So when you lie, you're actually lying and committing a crime against him. That's why he sees lying as a big deal because he's high and holy. So Brennan, like the rest of us, you'd be guilty. Would God send you to heaven or to hell? Heaven. But you're guilty. But I'm still a believer. What does that have to do with it? Uh, I mean, I don't. Let me hopefully resolve what you're not enjoying right now. Because right? the thought of going to hell is not a nice thought. I don't want it. You don't want it. Am I correct? Correct. All right. But here's the conundrum. God is good and he's kind, but he's holy and righteous and just. So by his nature, he's got to punish lawbreakers. He has to. He's like a judge. He's got to uphold the law. They're his laws. So he's got to punish criminals for their crimes. And you're a criminal who have committed crimes against him. But God wants to save guys like Brennan. But there's a tension here because we're guilty. He can't overlook the crimes, but he wants to forgive. So here's his plan. He sent his son to die on a cross. And there was something that was happening that was very judicial. God the Father was pouring out the wrath that you deserve on his own beloved son so that your court case can be dismissed. The only way that God can forgive you is if there's a satisfaction of judgment. Jesus was the satisfaction for your judgment. He has taken the punishment for your crimes. And even more than that, because he never sinned, he always did what was right. He honored his parents. He honored women. He never told a lie. He always spoke truth. He, uh, he accumulated righteousness. And he's actually willing to give that to you and credit you with his righteousness so that you can actually not just be seen as a forgiven criminal, but as the righteousness of God. And that way, God can take you to heaven because you've been forgiven and you've been made righteous by Jesus Christ. That's the Christian faith, Brennan. So here's my question. If forgiveness is available to you, Brennan, how do you get it? Through praying. Okay. I think you should pray. But the Bible says something specific when you pray. You need to repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ. You turn from your sins. You drop them because you don't want them anymore. And you put your faith in him as if your eternity depended on it because it does. The Bible says you, Brennan, must repent and put your faith in Christ. Have you done that? I can't say that I have yet, no. You think what I'm telling you is true? Yes. So as we sit on this bench at this moment, you're not forgiven by God. Is that correct? More than likely, yes. All right. Well, maybe you got something to think about today, huh? That God wants to adopt you and forgive you, but you have got to turn from your sins, place your faith in him. And he promises if you do that, he won't cast you out. You won't be a second class citizen. He'll make you his child. And he will see you with the same love that he has for his son, Jesus Christ, because you will be in Christ. So my encouragement to you, my friend, would be don't let the day pass without dealing with this issue.
it's the big one in your entire life. Fair enough? Fair enough. The most important consideration of anyone's life and the inclination when you hear the gospel is to either deal with the gospel or the inclination can sometimes be suppress the truth and not deal with it. Let's all be praying that Brennan indeed deals with everything he just heard. Well, that is another Witness Wednesday in the books, and it was a really good day, just like I predicted. I'm kind of like a prophet, you know. Okay, not really. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.